0: following podcast deals with mature themes. Listener discretion is advised.
1: If you have any information that can help bring
0: Candace home, please come forward to police or you can remain anonymous by reporting to
1: Crime Stoppers.
0: last time on Deals, Debts, and Death, The Disappearance of Candace Singbiel. You heard my co-host Kelsey speak with Donna Gilchrist, a woman in recovery whose experiences of living on the streets of Saskatoon parallel Candace's own. We wanted you to get a sense of how Candace spent her final years. We heard how a seemingly innocuous upbringing led to a life of addiction, violence, and fear. In episode two, Always Your Baby, you'll hear from Pauline, Candace's mom. Candace isn't defined by her addictions or her lifestyle choices. She's also a mother, a daughter, a sister, and a friend. It's important for everyone to know that no matter what a person might be facing, they still have a story that's worth knowing. And we're here to tell you Candace's story. I'm Julie, and I'll be your host for this episode. Deals, deaths, and death continues now. So settle in, and let's get to work. Candace was born September eighteenth, 1982 to her mom Pauline. Pauline worked hard at raising Candace on her own and by all accounts she had a pretty typical Saskatchewan childhood. She grew up in Swift Current, that's about a three hour drive south of Saskatoon, population 16,000. Greg soon joined as the father figure and he and Pauline welcomed two more daughters, Brittany and Jenna. Looking at their southern Saskatchewan home, nothing really stands out as strange or fancy or sad. It's just typical. The front lawn and plants are freshly trimmed. In the backyard, you can see a net surrounding a trampoline, and the neighbours all have similar well-maintained houses and yards. The quiet crescent has a sense of shelter and safety. The Syngville home looks like many others on the Canadian prairies. Similar to Candace's upbringing, as an outsider looking in, everything seemed, by all accounts, normal. So what could possibly have happened to turn such a normal family's life into a whirlwind of chaos, addiction, abuse, and ultimately murder? Let's start at the beginning, back in 1982.
1: From the very first picture, and she looked gorgeous in pink. She, she just melted my heart, with big brown eyes full of life. And I thought, I was a single mom, and so I thought, We are going to go through life together, thick or thin.
0: That's the voice of Pauline Singbiel, Candace's mom. As she shuffles through old family photos she brought, her shoulders slump forward on her petite figure. Her husband Greg sits quietly at her side for support. She sniffles and wipes away a few tears. Through Pauline's sadness, she looks down at the happy memories with love. But her fatigue is evident. Raising two young children isn't easy at the age when most people are enjoying retirement. She clutches onto the worn baby photo of Candice who was wearing a frilly pink dress more than 40 years ago. She was smiling with bright brown eyes. Pauline recalls this sweet little girl having big dreams and high hopes for her future.
1: I did a lot in the restaurant business with uh, waitressing and such and so she was busy playing in her room one day and I came in and she had a blanket on the floor and there was, it looked like a table setting. And I said, "Oh, well, what are you doing?" She goes, "Oh, I'm playing restaurant." And I said, "Oh, are you a waitress?" And she turned around and said, "No, I'm the owner." So from that point on, I knew that she had high expectations of herself, and she, you know, she wanted to be successful. So that was that was made me feel so good. And how old was she for that? Oh, she was about three and a half. So she was very little, but she really understood. What did you love the most about Candace? She, her I was so jealous of her being able to sing. I've always wanted to sing. I have to sing in the shower. But her, she could bolt out songs like you couldn't imagine. I just was, yeah, she had a very good voice. So was she in choir or anything like that? No, well, she did a little bit in, in elementary and stuff, and we did do singing lessons. But uh, I don't know, it just kind of fell to the wayside think she just kind of did a lot of singing with her friends and and stuff.
0: I bet that was hard after she went missing that
1: you couldn't hear that singing voice again, yes, very hard, yeah that it's it's just hard to explain her voice, and that's one thing that Kasten does not have the same as she loves to sing, but doesn't have that same octave mm-hmm. of singing,
0: just looking at your face right now, it's like you can hear it, still. yeah
1: yeah. She just I, I was just amazed. Where did she get that from?
0: <laughs> Candace was a strong-willed individual with a unique sense of style from a young age. Pauline spoke about her homemade clothes, including her wide-legged pants that she would create when she couldn't find a style that suited her. She did her own dreadlocks in her hair and had piercings in her lower lip and nose. When she went missing, Candace wore glasses and bleached blonde hair with pink accents. Pauline says Candace beat to her own drum, and no matter what persona she was after, her personality always shone through.
1: She was just her own. Like, she did things the way she wanted, and I had to learn to let it go. People kept saying, Oh, it's just her hair, or it's just her clothes. She was just almost like a 60s girl growing up in the 80s. And I was a 70s girl, so it was you have to learn to go with those things um as a teenager she she struggled with friends with girls and and the way that girls go different friends but along the way she had a lot and a lot of them to this day approach me and said I remember Candace we did this you know we did that I remember her in high school elementary like to this day they always approach me and say hi I miss Candace I remember So much about her. Mm -hmm. Is there
0: something that in particular you really miss? Like if Candice was here, what would be like the first thing you'd want to do with her?
1: Oh, I would hug her. Um, No matter at times when we, it was difficult. We had some pretty big struggles in the end, but she still always looked to me for help and when i wanted to give her some at times didn't want it but she still still i don't know still looked at me for help or looked for me for help or called up called me out for help so yeah she still wanted that motherly advice exactly
0: always always your baby candice had her first baby nathan in 2006 Eight years later, she welcomed her little girl Kayston into the world. Kayston made her arrival at a time in Candace's life when she was struggling with homelessness, addiction, and an abusive boyfriend. Both of her kids quickly ended up in the care of Candace's parents, but that didn't stop them from briefly knowing their mom's love. If you could talk to Candace today, what do you think she would say about Kayston and Nathan today?
1: Um so she she would be so proud of Nathan. Um, he's a scholar in every way. He is—he is not her personality. He is an introvert, very quiet, soft-spoken. Um, cuts to the chase, like no no overtelling a story. Total opposite of her. But he, she would be so proud because he's in grade twelve and his marks are phenomenal like he has nothing less than 97 98 strives for a hundred is disappointed when he doesn't get it we're working on that (laughs) Um, so she would be so proud of him and be like where did he get that from (laughs) Um, Kasten's eight years old in grade three and she's definitely a spitfire she loves singing and choir just like her mom her giggles so reminds me of her mom. I was going through pictures again this week preparing for this podcast and so many flashbacks. Candace, her friends posing in front of the Christmas tree, sitting with her sisters. It's it's just not fair at all for Kate, Kasten. but she she doesn't know any different. The hard part for her is when we're driving and we drive by a cemetery, and she looks at that and she goes, I wish we could go visit my mom in one of those. I, sometimes I just about have to stop the car because it's for being so young and what she understands, it's she just wishes she, I guess, had a place to go visit. And I say, well, we always have our tree to go to, and she says, I don't think it's the same. It's and kind she, of
0: amazing how kids handle yeah, grief,
1: hey? Yeah, and when we say, like, we're coming to Saskatoon to work with the police, oh, to find my mom, I said, yeah, we're working really hard. They're doing so much to try to help. And, she, and so, yeah, I mean, for an 8-year-old to try to fathom that, it just, it just doesn't make sense. But, I mean, I guess she doesn't know any different.
0: Is it harder or easier for you that Kasten is a spitting image of Candace?
1: Well, I, I love the reminders. I don't want the repetitive of Candace's life. And it, it won't happen. It, it won't happen, but it's just, it's hard to, it's, yeah. I, I'm given another chance to spend my time with Candace as a little girl. So I have to appreciate that.
0: Nathan and Kasten honour their mom every year at Christmas by hanging a new angel ornament on the tree. Pauline brought a few of the delicate glass and crystal ornaments with her on the day of this interview. She looks at the angelic figures lovingly as she untangles their strings.
1: The idea just came up kind of, I don't know, the couple days before Christmas, because the first Christmas was approaching and Candace wasn't going to be around and it really was going to feel empty. So the way I would explain it to Nathan was that his mom was probably an angel in heaven. And then, I don't know, I was out shopping for Christmas and had seen some angels. And so, and they were beautiful ornaments. And so I decided that I would pick up two, and we would put an angel on the tree for mom. So they each had an angel, and we hung it on the tree. Case didn't need help for the first couple of years because she was mm-hmm. pretty little. And so now that's become our tradition is to hang an angel, and it's a different one every year. Um Yeah, so they're getting quite a collection of angels. (laughs) I was going to say some people have an angel on the top of their tree. You probably
0: have them all over your tree. All over the tree. You just (laughs) have to
1: start a a little tree just for the angels. But yeah, so, yeah, we've got, I guess it would be eight years of angels.
0: Has time changed your grief or hope? And what helps you cope?
1: Um... Definitely some days are easier than others, weeks and months. Um, it's just really hard to... Take your time. It seems like every time I s- try to get go forward, like this is the way life is, this is our journey, something keeps coming back to remind us and it's not a bad thing because you feel guilty if you not stop remembering but if you you feel like you can't grieve anymore and if you it's hard I think the the biggest thing is we love her and miss her and we wish that she was a part of so many of our memories like we've had weddings we've had new babies in the family anniversaries and she's just not here right and it's it's such a sadness that for her story and and she just deserved so much better and her children too
0: so even though you might your grief might change a little bit that void is always still that there that
1: void is always there yeah we do family pictures we try to make sure that everybody's there but there's always an empty spot.
0: As many middle schoolers do, Candace had some turbulent friendships in her early years. But it wasn't until high school, her mom says, that she started to spiral. Pauline knew Candace had smoked cannabis but didn't think too much of it. Then she noticed the Tylenol bottle would always be empty. It wasn't long after that that she was addicted to various types of illicit drugs, including crystal meth. Candace found herself in Pine Grove Correctional Centre, a women's prison in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan in 2010. She served roughly eight months there before moving to Saskatoon in hopes of better addictions resources and supports, a job and a fresh start on life. She spent some time at Saskatoon's Calder Centre seeking treatment and her son Nathan even moved back in with his mom. Sadly, that only lasted a couple of months. The addiction was just too strong. In 2014, Candace ended up back in Pine Grove on drug charges. This next clip includes my co-host Kelsey hearing from Donna, who we spoke to in the last episode. Having lived such a similar life, you can hear and see the empathy and hurt for Candace on Donna's face as she responds. What do you think Candace would want her kids to know? Or... What
2: would you want Candace's kids to know? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> I think. I think, given the fact that she, you know, had gone to treatment, um, I think she was trying, and I think that something that people have a hard time understanding is just how hard it is no matter how badly you want it sometimes that devil is just so big uh, that it, it's it's real and and there's probably a significant amount of guilt driving you know if if she had relapsed or whatever that it wasn't it wasn't that she you know didn't care didn't love it was something that was beyond her control, you know I mean like it's 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 listed in the d s m now like it's a medical condition, just like AIDS or cancer or whatever right so it's 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 something that is not easy for an individual to to live with, but oftentimes we're treated like you should just get over it, or you know one time in treatment you should be cured. That's very rarely the case, yeah, she was wanting to. Wanting to be better, wanting to have
1: a place of her own and wanted her son to come move in with her and just start her life here brand new. Mm -hmm. I could see the hope was in her eyes. Like, I'm going to get better. Not realizing how difficult that might be at what she had gone through. And you were hopeful as well. Oh, absolutely. Like, you never want to give up hope. I mean, that might have been a little bit of denial again, but not realizing the extent of the drugs and how they can psychologically change a person um she was very good at being able to hide that but i could see that she she really who wants to be not with her children or not want to be better right she really really wanted it we have a videotaping that Candace had taken and I cannot find it one of the last times that she had come to visit and they were playing floor hockey or not floor hockey sorry they were playing um air hockey and having a lot of fun and laughing and um the, we have a few videos on Facebook when they do those snapchat pictures and she she loved doing that just sitting with and chilling with them and doing those crazy things on the phones so we have a few of those that are really good to be able to look back and show him and good reminders for him.
0: We had asked investigators if there were any recordings that existed in the file that included Candace's voice, for background context. Coincidentally, that lost video of the air hockey match is exactly what they provided us with.
2: What what, uh, period is it? The third. Who's got eight goals? Me. How many do you need to win? One one. So I'm probably going to lose this hockey game. Are you ready? No. No, yeah, yeah. Alright, here we go. Yeah! 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 You're throwing me off yelling around. Yeah! Yeah! Yeah. Oh! Yeah! Yeah! I'm going to win my first game. I don't know about that. Don't talk till you do. Called yeah. counting your chickens before they hatch. I'm zero and four on this thing. What? You've lost four games already? This is your Christmas present. You have to win. Yeah. Whoa! That was yeah. close. I almost scored on myself and give you the points. Dude making one and four to make you zero and one. no na na. na, na. na, 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 na. Yeah. Hey,
0: hey, hey! I won, won, won. When did you see the switch where things kind of took a downward turn for Candace in
1: Saskatoon? Um, it was it was before Kayston was born. She would different phone calls, different numbers on her call, in a hurry, um, very scattered. I mean the the term that my daughters and I want to say was like almost schizoaffective. Um, they they t- seem to understand a lot of the terminology that goes with that. Because when she would come to visit, we didn't know who was coming through the door. We didn't know what personality was coming through the door because it, it got to be scary. Because the drugs affecting your mental health and self-medicating... And, like, the addiction and part of not on the drugs or needing the drugs or what the drugs are doing. Very scary. Um, And then when she told me she was pregnant, I cried for eight months. I, yeah. And um, we had met him a couple times. He seemed very level-headed when she had the baby and her emotions were up and down and stuff. He seemed to be the one reasoning, but then she would tell her grandma, Greg's mom, that like he beat me up. He beats me up and I went into the hospital early because he beat me up. Um, She never told me that, but she, and I I don't know why she didn't, maybe because she knew I would lose so much disrespect for him. And when I did ask him, did you hurt Candace and that's why the baby was born, he admitted to it. She was born two months premature. So she was in the NICU for a month. And we would come visit. But we um, often didn't didn't let her know we were here because she was very um, scared scared that she would lose the baby um scared that we might intervene and so then when the baby was ready to be released at 1 month old or yeah 1 month old out of the NICU we got a call from social services that we need to come pick up the baby Candace was not happy and I don't I don't blame her and she would, would was really mad at me and I said Candace honey I didn't we didn't step in. They called us. They red flagged you for some reason. And being in a state of mind with being involved in drugs and stuff, she it was very, very difficult. So then she begged like we were ready to leave in the car and she was begging with her worker, please let me have my baby for a month. I promise I'll do the program. So there's a program here called Baby Steps where mom can go with baby, they're monitored, make sure that they're clean and trying to get the help that they can.
0: This video of Candace talking to her new daughter was taken while she was in the program. In it, we see a small newborn baby wearing a cozy onesie covered in stars. Baby Kasten lies on a green blanket in soft yellow light. Candace gushes over her as she shakes a rattle toy above and softly strokes Kasten's little cheek with one finger. Today, it remains a treasure to the Singbilla family.
2: Hello, baby. Hello, baby. Who are you thinking about? Hi, Nathan. What are you thinking about your brother? Hey. Do we go see your grandma and papa and your brother? Do you want to go see your brother? Yes, I love my brother. I love Nathan. <gasps> Do you love him? I love you. <laughs> round and round the garden like a teddy bear. One step, two step, tickle under there. Are you tired? Okay, let's cuddle. I'm going to bed now. I love you. Mwah.
0: These precious moments between Candace and Kastin were rare and tragically cut short. Candace spent only three weeks in the program before her addiction came creeping back in.
1: Then she would call me and was upset because they said I was dirty and it was from the first time and not the second time. It was still in my system. Excuses, right? And I said, well, she goes, I can't do this anymore. I can't stay here. So I said, send baby here. We'll watch her. We'll take care of her. You do what you need to do. So then that happened. She was very upset when we came in the second month to come get baby. Um, I Deep down, she knew it was the best, but those feelings are very hard, and I could understand, so brought baby home. Um, very difficult when you're <laughs> in your early late 50s to start it with a brand new baby and getting up in the night and doing feedings and nathan just loved his little sister he got his wish because he always said i want a little brother or a little sister so he was over the moon in love with her so we um so this was april 17th so in that time candace came down twice to visit once with baby's dad and once on her own um, those were hard but I mean still that I want the baby I need help you could still see that she was struggling I was so guilty of enabling and I really had to hold my ground and not do that um, so then she left then talking on the phone the plan to come back to visit was supposed to be like May 17th in that area. And she had missed her meeting with her social service worker and they were supposed to help provide her come on the bus because the bus system is how she got back and forth. She missed her meeting and was upset. And I said, and she wanted to come anyway. And I said, I'm sorry, honey, I can't break the rules. We're working here with social services and we need to follow. You need to go to your worker on Monday, make arrangements, come on Tuesday, or whenever it works, we'll be here. So she said she'd had a meeting, this was Friday, so she had made a meeting appointment to go on Monday morning with her social service worker. Um, and then we hadn't heard by Tuesday and it was—I'm trying to think if it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Candace's boyfriend called and said, "Hey, have you heard from Kay?" And I said, "No." He said, "We seldom go more than 24 hours without seeing each other, even though their relationship was toxic. It was had a lot of downs more than ups." Um, I said, "Well, you need to get your butt down to the police station and report her missing because we haven't seen her. I have." Like, I, you're the one that's seen her. You're responsible. So he did come down and report her missing. Now, whether it was guilt that brought him or I'm, I have no idea. But anyway, he came down and reported her missing. And then that's when life took a turn.
0: Coming up in episode three, we hear from the investigators who were first on the case when Candace was reported missing, but it quickly turned from a missing person file into a homicide investigation. Proving that one person killed another is a challenge in itself for police, but trying to find answers in a world consumed by addictions and mental health issues presents a whole new level of investigation. That meth world is so big and small all at the same time where they kind of all know each other or they've all somewhat crossed paths with each other or just the drug world alone as far as rumors and suspicion and people dealing with mental health and people on substance abuse. Lots of times in the drug world people will try to scare each other and take things too far. That's next time on Deals, Debts, and Death.